0: Open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Appreciate Brian doing a great job with our ushers. Good job, guys. That's a blessing. Good job. All right, everybody has a handout now. So coming up on, on uh, I almost said Isaiah, coming up on May 22nd, we are celebrating the 70th anniversary of our church. Now, notice I said we're celebrating, because the 70th anniversary was last year. But with COVID, we didn't want to waste this opportunity, so we're actually celebrating the 70th anniversary this year. And here is the goal. The goal for the 70th anniversary of our church is to make sure that it's not about our church, that it's about souls, that it's about leading people to Christ. So what this handout is, and I appreciate um, Amanda George made this graphic for us on the cover, and you're going to be seeing it on billboards around town. We're getting invite cards. I'm going to be telling you about those. But how can we make our 70th anniversary count for the gospel? How can we make our 70th anniversary count for the gospel? Seven-step plan. So look at the back of that, a seven-step plan for jump-starting our 70th anniversary preparation. Number one, take the day seriously, as seriously as you take eternal souls. So this is, now some of you, I can tell you're already falling asleep. This is really, really important. It's not about having a big crowd so we can say we had so many people in church. That's, what th- that's not what this is about. How many of you know it's hard to get people to come to church, right? When we have a special event and the entire church is focused on it, where every one of our teams, we're going to have a team, meet, a team leader meeting Immediately after the service. And what do you think we're going to be talking about? The 70th anniversary service. We're going to have a discipler meeting here at 4 o'clock today. All of our trained disciplers. What do you think we're going to be talking about? The 70th anniversary service. We're going to have an evening service tonight. What do you think we're going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about the scriptures. We're going to talk about something else. But I, I really want you guys to remember. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start getting this in your mind that every conversation you have, you're thinking about souls. Every conversation. When I meet somebody at the gas station, when I meet somebody at the grocery store, when I'm talking to somebody at work, I'm thinking about eternal souls and how can we get people on the church property so that we can begin influencing them for the Lord. We All of us have to take this seriously. This is all of our jobs. So, then number two, Have a specific time of prayer with your family concerning the 70th anniversary. So I'm going to start praying with Laura about the 70th anniversary. If we keep it in our minds in prayer, and then we keep it in our minds in our daily conversations, it will be a great day. So discuss each person's potential visitors for the special day, giving aid and advice as needed. Make note of every possible person mentioned. Plan how you will contact each person and family. Pray specifically for God to use your family to reach others. So start making a list of people that you're praying for that you're trying to get to come. Make a list. Pray for them. Pray for them. Talk about it with your family. Then number three, pay a personal visit to everyone on your list before next Sunday. Seeking their commitment to be your guest at the 70th anniversary. Now, how many of you know that people plan way ahead of time for stuff around here? I don't. I plan tomorrow here in a little while. All right? But people, all of your friends, they're already planning things, and especially as it's getting warm out. So we have to start this week getting commitments for that day. Begin working on it. Tell them that you have something you'd like to send them from the church and get the vital information. Believe in what you are doing enough to be assertive. Don't be timid. You're not going to run them off. If they don't come to the church, you're not going to run them away from it. Right? Where are you going to run them to? So just be kind, be, be, you know, be excited about what we're doing. We have invite cards that are being printed up. Next Sunday, everyone's getting, going to get a stack of 10. Every person in the room is going to get a stack of 10 invite cards. And uh, here's the idea. You can mail them to them. You can deliver them to them. And you, people will come. If you do the investment, people will come. The other thing is all of us that are involved in team ministry, your team is going to be mobilized for this. And here's the fun thing. Now you get to invite somebody to watch you work. Hey, come and watch while I'm doing this. Come and help me. I'm manning the doors. I'm working in the parking lot. I need somebody to help me. Just get people to come alongside you. You'll be amazed how people will come and help you. Then, number four, send them an email or text expressing your excitement that they will be attending the 70th anniversary with you. Number five, turn in the data from each of your commitments ASAP so we may send them information about the 70th anniversary. Here's what we want to do. As you get commitments, is everybody still with me? Everybody awake? Are y'all doing okay? As we get commitments, you guys aren't nearly excited about this. You are nearly excited enough about this. As we get commitments for people to come I need you to let us know, because we only have 350 chairs in here. We had over 330 on our grand opening. So now, here's the problem. If we know we're going to have more than 350 people, now we have to plan for regular church folks to be up in the fellowship hall in our overflow. Jim McDermott said this morning, just like the old days. And, but you, know, you have sound, you have the video, everything up there. And wouldn't it be cool if we needed the overflow that day? But we don't want our visitors to have to go to the overflow. And so we need you, as you get commitments, to begin turning those in. Turn those in to Eric Edwards. He's our outreach director. And so we will know what's going on with that. All right? And Eric, if you need to turn that over to somebody to keep track of it or whatever, but Eric will let you know how to make contact on that. Then, Visit or call each of your friends on Saturday, May 21st, reminding them of the 70th anniversary and offering any assistance they may need. So here's what we're going to do. It's going to be a special schedule that day. There's not going to be any Sunday school. All of the Sunday school classes, it'll be a fellowship. So you just have food and fellowship. It gives people an opportunity to be there. The young people will be dismissing a little bit early. They're going to be outside with the signs, welcoming everyone like we have done before. And then there's no evening service. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Invite people to your house that day. Hey, we're going to come. We're going go to come to church, then come over to the house for a meal. And man, if some of you want to meet in the fellowship hall, gather around the building and do stuff here, we don't care. It's just get people here. And by just having the one service that day, we can focus all of our energy into that special service. And my commitment to you is, is I will give the gospel clearly that day. Amen. We're going to have great music that day. It's going to be a wonderful time. Then arrive early on May 22nd, joyful and eager to be a blessing to your guests and the guests that other people bring. We're going to do it. Amen? We are going to accomplish this. So keep this in your Bible. Make this a part of your daily prayer. And what do we want them to know? Go to Ephesians chapter 1 with me. Ephesians chapter 1. So how many of you are born again? You know Jesus Christ as your Savior. All right, so we're going, to, we're going to see what we have in Christ. Emily was just singing a song about trouble and how when we have trouble, it can, be, it can seem to be overwhelming. And that is just true. That is true. But when we remember what we have in Christ, it helps us through it. Look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, To the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful, to Jesus Christ. What's it say? In. Now, some of you didn't catch it because you're not paying attention. All right? To the faithful, what does it say? In Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace comes from the Father. And peace comes through Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all physical blessings in earthly places. What does it say? Let's read the verse together. You ready? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all... Blessings in where? In Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, Wherein he hath made us accepted, where? In the beloved. In whom, that's the beloved, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed, where? In himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things where? Okay, you all are fading on me. All things where? Both which are in heaven and which are on earth. Those next three words, what's it say? What are those next two words? In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory Who first trusted where? In Christ. What was the next two words? In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Next two words. In whom also, after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Lord, help us as we understand what you have done for us, Lord. And obviously, we can't cover it all today. But thank you for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, have you ever gotten something really special? You ever done that? So uh, I just finished teaching this college class. And I didn't know I was going to get paid for it. I got a check in the mail. You know what I did with that check? I bought a pen. And so I got this really cool pen. It's made of lava from Mount Etna. It's so cool. I love it. I have this really cool pen that I get to use. It's a vacuum filler, so it's really cool the way it fills. It's got an 18 karat gold nib. Andy, you would love this pen. It's cool to me. Have you ever gotten something that you're really excited about? When I was in Bible college, you could always tell when a gr- the day a girl got engaged because she'd be running down the hall to the dorm like, well, wrong finger, like this. run down, everybody looking at, it, she was excited about something that she had something special. But I'll tell you, there is nothing that has come close in my life to my grandson. It. I, I can't explain. Everybody always says it before you have grandkids, how cool it is. Yeah, 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 whatever. It's it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just telling you. Here's why it wasn't special. Because Silas is so much better than your grandkids. That's, that's why. He's smarter. He's better looking. He's definitely smarter than my kids. When you have something special, you want to show it. When you have something special, you want to talk about it. When you have something that's genuinely special to you, you treat it in a special way. You know, some of you have a car that you love, so you, and, and you do things special with that car. You're waxing it up. Somebody gave me, actually, a Nathan, Nathan, Arling's dad, gave me a packet to because he knows how much I love my car, and it said, for your idol, Do you realize what it means to be in Christ? I don't know that we do, but let's look at this chapter and see what, what it means. So in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all, what's that next word? Spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. One of our problems, and this is a problem with American Christianity especially, is we think it's about stuff, right? As I just got done bragging about my pen. We think think that the blessing of God is about stuff. That's not what we're promised. We're promised daily bread. We're promised enough to live. That's what we're promised. Beyond that, the things that are supposed to be important are spiritual things. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, the book of Colossians tells us. So these are spiritual blessings, and there are seven specific spiritual blessings identified in this text. So let's let's look at what these spiritual blessings are. So look at verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So here's our first blessing. All right, so let me ask you a question, and don't be embarrassed by this. I think you'll find you're not the only one. How many of you, since you're born again, you're saved, you know what the Bible says about your behavior, that sometimes you don't feel like you're living up to your Christianity. You don't feel holy. Do you raise your hand? Here's the good news. You are. See, this is one of the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Look at what it says. Verse 3, Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Here's what God did. Before the foundation of the world, God said anyone who is in Christ will stand before me holy and without blame. Now, that's not future. That's something we're going to look at in our text. That's right now. If you're born again, if you have placed your faith and trust in Christ alone for your eternal life, you are holy and without blame before him in love. Now, remember, this is not a process. It's not where you slowly begin to believe in God and you start doing good works and you start adding things. No, no, no. Salvation takes place at a point in time. You're born again, just as you were born. That baby comes out, that baby slapped, that baby's born, starts screaming, right? That's when you're born. Same thing happens when you're born again. You trust Christ as your Savior and you are made a new creature. And when that happens, you are holy and without blame before him in love. Look at verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Here's the other thing that happens. Here's a spiritual blessing. When you get saved, okay, so Andy and I don't look anything alike, right? Matt and I, I don't know, we could, we might be able to pass for brothers. I'd be the good looking brother. Um, (laughs) Jeff, praise God, I don't look like Jeff. We, we don't, we, we don't resemble each other physically, right? Chad Elbers looks like a walking Ken doll, okay? None of us can live up to this. And so, the, We don't look alike. Well, Matt and Luke, come on, right? Some of them look alike, but they're actually from the same family. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When we get saved, we don't look alike, but we become a part of the same family. We are adopted into the family of God by Jesus Christ. Spiritually, that takes place. The physical adoption is going to take place when we're raptured out of the world, right? But these are spiritual things. Remember, this this is so vital for us to remember. The church is a spiritual institution. Israel is a physical institution. The promises to Israel are fleshly. They're worldly. They're earthly. They're the land. That's why the mark of being a Jew was circumcision. It was a mark in your flesh. The Bible talks about our circumcision being made without hands. Our faith is a spiritual faith, but this spiritual adoption, it is just as real as any other type of birth. So my brother and I, my brother Bill and I, man, he's my brother. I'd do anything in the world for him, but so is David. Right? You all are, if you're saved, you are a part of the family of God. This is a spiritual blessing that we have because we are in Christ. Let's look at the third one. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted. This is such a wonderful thing. This is such a wonderful thing. Have you ever felt like you don't fit in? Right? I don't know about you guys. This is going to shock you. I was not one of the cool kids in school. I know. Things have changed. Man, I was a dweeb. I, I wanted to fit in. I never could. The girls always liked the cool guys, but I knew the cool guys were losers. But how many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Right? know exactly? I didn't fit in. Didn't have acceptance. And I wanted that acceptance. And, you know, some people still feel the same way. That's why you have all of these clubs, right? You have all of these things. That the, the really weird people all gathered together in Andy's role-playing clubs. People are... But here's here's the fun thing. That's why Andy has that, that game ministry. To be able to, to minister to people, for them to find acceptance. But first of all, for them to find acceptance with Jesus Christ. Amen? <laughs> Look at Isaiah. He loves it. That's right. So here's the thing. We all want acceptance. We all want to be accepted. That's one of the cool things about having a dog. Right? Your dog just loves you. He doesn't care who you are. He's happy to see you. The wonderful thing about Jesus Christ is we're accepted by the Father in Jesus Christ. Does Jesus love his son? That's how accepted you are. We're accepted in the beloved. You know what I love? Boy, this will mess up all the legalists in the world. I don't have to change anything for God to accept me. Now, does he want us to be holy? Here's the good news. I am holy before him in love. right? So, he has accepted me as if I am as holy as his son. Now, in this world, it is my job in the flesh to be holy through the Holy Spirit. Amen? But that doesn't have anything to do with how I'm accepted. So, number one, number one, very clearly, the Bible says that that he's blessed us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places they would be holy and without blame. That would be for the adoption of children. Number three, accepted in the beloved, verse six. Now look at verse nine. I'm sorry, verse seven. In whom, that's in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption, forgiveness. That's what we have. That's not what we're going to have. That's what we have now. That's a spiritual blessing. He has saved me. I'm clean. I am completely forgiven. When life gets hard and you start to say, well, I'm just wicked. That's why this is happening. Understand, if you're born again, God loves you and he will forgive you. Now, will there be chastening in this life? Yes, yes. So, adoption of children, uh, accepted in the beloved, redemption, verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. What God will do is he'll tell you what his plan for your life is. God's will is the same thing for everybody. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to be pure. He wants us to be a part of his family. He'll let you know his will, spiritual blessings. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Not only do I become a part of the family of God, I have an inheritance. There's something waiting for me in heaven. Amazing that he would do that. Then look at verse 13. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. Look, you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now again, everybody play along. How many of you, you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? You're born again. Would you raise your hand? Okay, that's forever. And that's what, this is a spiritual thing that the Holy Spirit does. You see, if it was up to my flesh, If it was up to my own behavior, I could not make it to heaven. So when God saved me, what he did was he gave me, he sealed me, just as if he put a stamp on me. He sealed me with the Holy Spirit. That's a spiritual thing. I know it's spiritual because it's the Holy Spirit. You see how that works? This is a spiritual thing. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, understand, there are Pentecostal or Assemblies of God, some Methodists, Nazarene, even free will Baptists, who teach that you can lose that spirit after you're saved. No, look at what the text says. Verse 13, "...in whom ye also trusted," that's Christ, "...after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation." What is the gospel? "...the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, according to the Scriptures, "...in whom also that ye, be, after that ye believed..." You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, this is the next thing that we get, which is the earnest of our inheritance until we sin again. Until God's tired of us. No, until the redemption of the purchased possession. Why? Because it brings him glory. Unto the praise of his glory. All of this brings glory to God These are spiritual blessings, not that we are going to get, that we already have. I love my pen. I have this. It's mine. The top, it really works cool. It's real cool the way that works. Man, that is nothing compared. Nothing compared to what God does. We have stuff. It's fun. Uh, uh, Look at this. Look at that. Look at the lining on that suit. Is that awesome? It looks like a 1970s LSD trip. If you're wondering what that is, ask Dan New. He can tell you. This stuff that we like, the this stuff that we have and we enjoy, Do you know the Bible tells us that God gives it to us freely to enjoy? Nothing wrong with enjoying your stuff. The problem is when you put that stuff in front of people. Right? It, but even that, As much as we enjoy our stuff, what about the spiritual things that he has blessed us with in spiritual places, and all of these things are true of anyone who is in Christ? What about all of this before the foundation of the world stuff? What about all of this before the foundation of the world? He's chosen us in him from the foundation of the world. Here's the problem. If people believe that they were in Christ before the foundation of the world— They don't understand what the Bible says, because we were in his body. What God determined was that from the foundation of the world, everyone that trusts in Christ after hearing the gospel will be in his body. That's the clear reading of the text. Here's why I know that this was not real before the foundation of the world, because there were no bodies. He didn't create bodies until he created Adam's body. Jesus Christ didn't have a body until Hebrews 10, 5. A body hast thou prepared me. There was no body for us to be baptized into. Why did the Old Testament saints go to paradise? Because Jesus hadn't taken on a body and died on the cross. No one was in his body. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That wasn't true until Jesus Christ had a body and died and ascended to the right hand of the Father. Now when we die, we are in Christ. When did all of that change? At Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came. And now we are baptized into his body. There was no body from the foundation of the world. God's plan from the foundation of the world was that all of these spiritual blessings would be true of anyone who is in Christ. And this is all true of us. Praise the Lord for that. The other thing I want you to see is where all of this takes place. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In heavenly places. That that, That phrase, heavenly places, takes place four times in the book of Ephesians. So look at verse 20. Verse 20. Which he... Wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So Jesus Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father by the power of God to heavenly places. Look at chapter 2 and verse 6. And hath raised us up. Now, is that future, hath raised? Is that is that future or is that past? Okay, there's three of you. All right, chapter 2 and verse 6. And hath raised. Hath raised, is that future or is that past? Past And hath raised us up... What's that next word? Everyone? What's that word? Together and made us sit... Where? Together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In heavenly places in Christ. Chapter 3 and verse 10. "...to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God." So what is the church? It's the body of Christ. Where is that visible? In heaven. In heavenly places. What does the body of Christ look like? Jesus. Why? Because it's him. It's his body. In him. In Christ. In him. In Christ. He's seated in heavenly places. Is Jesus seated in heavenly places right now? Let me show you something really fun. Really fun. John chapter 3 and verse 13. John 3, look at verse 13. And no man hath ascended up to heaven. Now, anytime that you hear one of these stories about, you know, the boy who died and went to heaven and came back, all I can say is liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? Because look what the Bible says. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man. What does it say right there? Where was Jesus when he said this? He was on earth. Do you think this might have confused people? Okay. Come here, Simon. I almost called you Anderson. You're way better looking than him, aren't you? Yes. So, where am I right now? Are you sure? You're pretty sure? Yeah. He looked down to make sure. All right? So, you, So, I'm on earth. I'm in heaven. Do you believe that? Why not? But am I seated with Christ in heavenly places? Yes. And hath raised us up together to sit with him in heavenly places. So where am I right now? No, I'm right here. I'm on earth. What's wrong with you? Thanks. You can be seated. I just like to be a help to our teenagers. That's what Jesus is saying to these guys. Look at what it says in verse 13. And no man hath ascended up to heaven but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Folks, we have to understand that that we are body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. My body is the vehicle that transports my soul. My spirit is the, uh, the, the, the thing that God created that allows me to communicate and interact with him. When I die, and if, if the Lord hasn't returned, and my family walks by my casket, they'll know that's no longer dad. Dad's in heaven. His soul has now joined his spirit in heaven. So this is the teaching of the Bible. While Jesus was on earth, he was also in heaven. That's what it says right here. And the same thing is true of us. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 17. 1 Corinthians 6:17, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one Spirit. Remember, he's raised us up, caused us to sit together with Christ in heavenly places. That's what it says, verse 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at chapter 3 and verse 10. Ephesians 3 and verse 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So if we are in the body, if we are in the church, that means that we are in heaven with him right now spiritually. What is the rapture? It's the ultimate gathering together. It's the ultimate gathering together of all of that. Alright? So now, look with me at... Chapter 5. Verse 30. For we are members of his body. Of his flesh. And of his bones. See. People get confused about the body of Christ. The body of Christ is Jesus Christ's body. It's it's not a technical theological term. His body was nailed to the cross. His body was laid in the tomb. His body rose from the dead and his body ascended to the right hand of the Father and is now seated in his Father's throne at his right hand, making intercession for us. Amen? And we are members of that body. When you get saved, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 13, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. When you get saved, you're baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ's body. It's not something that happens later. It's not something as you set yourself apart and you live holy that eventually you're going to get the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. But not only does the Holy Spirit dwell in you, the Holy Spirit places your spirit into Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm so glad I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ. All things are new. That's what I have. That's what I am. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. My hope is sure. Christ is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to take me. My body is going to go. You see, all of these blessings are spiritual. It will be physical. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, You see, all of these spiritual things, they are pictures of what is to come. It's the promise. It's the earnest of the inheritance. Back to Ephesians chapter 1. It's the earnest of the inheritance of the purchased possession. God gives us his Holy Spirit that is our seal until he comes and takes us out. And at that point, the spiritual reality becomes the physical reality. We're going to have a physical reality. Right Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Jesus Christ is coming back. My body is going to be changed. My knee won't bother me anymore. My back won't bother me anymore. But more than that, I will no longer have the desire to sin because this flesh is going to be gone. It's going to be changed. Amen? You know, one of the things I mentioned that, you know, when my family walks by my casket and they see me, They'll know that's not dad. Kind of. That body that we bury is the body that will rise, but it's going to be changed. It's going to be changed to be like Jesus Christ. Right now, I look too much like the world. Right now, my body is too attached to the world. That's why he's going to change me. Amen? It's so wonderful. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of heaven, flesh and blood can inherit that. After the judgment of the nations, people are going to go into the kingdom. But that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom, and flesh and blood can't go there. Can't go there. The Bible says the kingdom of God is in you. It's a spiritual thing. This is what we have in Christ. Ready? On three, I want you to say this. If you're saved, if you're not saved, this is not true of you. But if you're born again, on three, I want you to say, I'm free. One, two, three. I'm free. I'm not under the penalty of my sin. I'm not under the condemnation of my sin. Now, if I continue in sin in this life as a believer, is God going to chasten me? Yes, whom he loves, he chastens. Every one of his sons that he loves, he's going to chasten. He came into his own, his own received him not, but to as many as believed him, to them gave he power to be called the sons of God. Every one that is a son. Is chastened. If we don't chasten our children, we treat them as bastards and not as sons. That's what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. If you really love your children, you chasten them. God will chasten you. That's not being under the penalty of sin, because the penalty of sin is death in hell forever. If you're saved, you are not under that, but you are under the chastening hand of God, which the Bible says it's not joyous, it's grievous. Amen? And here's the best way to stop that chastening. Stop the behavior. Right? Man, there are a lot of people that get caught in sin and man, they have the, the, these tears of repentance because they got caught. Well, you'll find out if it's real repentance over years. Amen? How many of you know people that keep making the same mistakes over and over again? They end up in the van down by the river. Ruin your life. Ruin your life. You know what the good news is? Even somebody that keeps making the same mistakes over and over and over again. yeah mistakes. Same choices to sin. Over and over and over again. If they are genuinely born again, they're a son. They're holy and blameless before God in love. But, listen, if there's someone behaving that way and there's no chastening of God in their life, That person's not saved. That person is not a son. Because the Bible says that God chastens every son that he receives. Amen? So if you are living in sin, you know you're living in sin. And you're not feeling the chastening hand of God in your life. Do you know what you need to do? You need to get saved. You need to go to God and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please save me. Confess that sin to him. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus Christ and be saved. Amen. You know, there are a lot of people that have heard the the message of the grace of God. And they love the message of the grace of God so much they continue in sin. What's the Bible say about that? God forbid. The strongest statement that the King James translators could come up with in English. God forbid forbid that's the bad news good news is i am seated with christ in heavenly places i'm accepted in the beloved i'm sealed with the holy spirit of god he's coming back for me isn't that a blessing how many of you are thankful for that today is that your testimony let's all stand together